you join me in prayer as we ask God to tune our hearts to his word? Heavenly Father, as we draw near, we pray that you would speak to us in power and in love, that your voice would be unmistakable and your call would be something we couldn't turn our backs on. Father, we thank you for giving us the privilege of this new year, and we pray, Lord, that we will not simply treasure it, but, Lord, that we would use it as you've entrusted it to us, that we would be stewards of each day, of each moment of this new year. Father, we want to use it well and for your glory. And so, Lord, speak to us. We're listening and we're ready to act. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are some books on my shelf that I've read, but I want to hang on to. Because there are probably books that I'm going to go back and look at again. There are books of history like David McCullough's 1776. A wonderful history book that looks just at that year in the life of of America. There is Rick Warren's A Purpose Driven Life that we focused on as a church some time back. And yet I I keep that book close at hand and will often go back and refer to it. There are other books that may not be on quite a par with those but certainly have a powerful theology like Dr. Seuss' Green Eggs and Ham. You know, those are books that you just hang on to. And then there are some books that I picked up while I was in seminary, some of them hardbound and filled with difficult words and other other more paperback books, for instance, like this, a book by a guy named Robert Dale called To Dream Again. And in this book, uh, as I read it in seminary, it gave me a whole new light onto the life of the church. But you see, Robert Dale looks at the life cycles of a church and he looks at the, you know, as the church is born, as it, it grows into adolescence, as it matures and, and eventually begins to plateau and, and to get old and to die. And I never really thought of churches in that way. As I considered that life cycle, that could be a depressing thing to think about, except what Robert Dale had in his book to dream again was that this is not inevitable. And so his challenge was for every church to dream again, to re-spark, reignite those dreams, and continue to grow. He had a diagram, but, but I found one that I actually like a little better than Dale's that was done by a guy named David Moberg. Here uh, on the screen is an expanded version of the life cycle of the church, what it looks like. And, and hopefully you can see all of that. It begins over here with childhood, goes through adolescence, the prime of life. Uh, maturity, declining health, old age, and death. You think, well, that's kind of the human life cycle. Well, it's also the life cycle of, of many churches. And as you'll see, there's an arrow that goes up along the, the left side here, the, the uh, not productive years, but the reproductive years. Here's where a church is really making its impact and reproducing itself in the kingdom. And, and this was this, 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 life cycle, this life cycle, this picture of the life growth and unfortunately, death of the church. As a church, we would find ourselves in, in adolescence. We have, we've been born, we've grown a little bit, but the rapid growth that we experienced right at the beginning, that slowed down somewhat. As we really started, we didn't have a lot of you know, policies in place, a lot of documentation in place, and we were kind of feeling our way around. We matured a little bit. We put some of those things in place to, to provide a little more order in what's done, but still leave the Holy Spirit free to do what he wants to do. We have a lot of energy and enthusiasm. We're still, a, we're still a, a young church in many ways, but 
to that, we've added some experience and some knowledge, and, and hopefully with that came a little bit of wisdom. So things are good. When things are good, you have a tendency to just let them go, not to, to work on it. If you're having a good marriage, let me tell you, work on your marriage. You need to work on your marriage because it also has a life cycle if you just leave it alone. I want to show you another, another graph here that was done that's similar to the life cycle. And here you'll see the same kind of semicircle shape there. But instead of adding the you know, childhood, adolescence, prime, and all those things, it's, it's been kind of put in zones. But you can kind of tell where we are until compare it to that other graph in your mind. There are three zones on here. Zone C, that's in the declining. This is where the church is kind of going downhill, getting a little older, perhaps even heading towards a, a death of a church. I don't know if any of you have been in these kinds of churches, but I have. I was in a church. I was a youth pastor in a church in Texas. The church was in a neighborhood that had gone through multiple changes. At one time, it was a probably middle to upper, middle upper class, predominantly white neighborhood during the years. Um, there were probably more African-American families, probably more low income that moved in. But when we were there, it had transitioned yet again to a very low income Hispanic community primarily. But if you walk in the church building, everybody there looked like me and spoke English with the exception of a couple of people. In fact, the church that once had a, a really nice worship center had moved over to the chapel and were now renting out the, the worship center, the big sanctuary, to a, a local African-American Baptist church that was there. And so we, we began to, as I'd meet with the pastor and we'd talk about it, there was a recognition that things were in decline, that things weren't going well. But you know what? There was also a real determination. We're not going to change. We're, we're going to stick it out. We're going to ride it until we all die. And the last one alive can turn out the lights. That was the attitude. When you get into zone C, if you're going to, if you're going to revitalize, re-energize a church, it takes something huge. It takes something massive that, in order to, to give the church new energy and, and new life. Radical changes must take place. For instance, deciding we need to become a church that ministers to our Hispanic community. We need to join forces with a Hispanic, uh, Spanish-speaking church and bring the life of that into our church and to give it new vitalization. Just because it's not full of white folks anymore doesn't mean that God isn't honored by it. In fact, God would be honored by it if we actually reached our Jerusalem, reached our neighborhood. That would be one thing that could have happened but didn't happen. Another thing that can happen is the church recognize this is not our area. You know, God's not calling us to really meet their needs. We need to pack up and we need to, we need to move to another area and give this church or sell this church to uh, this building to a church that can take it and move with it. Or as some churches do, they figure out a graceful way to die. Now, I'm not talking about euthanasia. They didn't call in Kevorkian. But instead... What I've seen some churches do in this, in this stage of life is say, you know what, where we are right now, we need to take our membership and join it with another church and then try to, try to revitalize ourselves that way. 
But whatever the church has to do in zone C, in the declining, dying years of the church, that's pretty serious stuff. These are radical changes, not, not little tweaks that have to take place. Now, if you look in zone B, the church has kind of matured, and now it's beginning its, beginning its downward um, uh, decline a little bit. But it's not in free fall. It still has energy. It still has resources. It still has vitality. And it's at this point that a church can face the facts, begin to refocus and retool and redirect its resources. And in this instance, you're not talking about those kind of radical changes that have to be made. Sometimes it's looking at and seeing where there's an area of weakness and calling a new staff person in order to meet that area. Sometimes it's a matter of redoing the facilities in order to to have them actually suit the needs of the ministry that God is calling the church to. Sometimes it's redoing your small group ministry or your youth ministry or your children's ministry or your senior adult ministry or a change of programming, a change of ministry focus. It could be that that a church that makes these decisions is able to kind of begin down and, and begin that climb again, to, to dream again, as, as Robert Dale would call it. It's not as hard as if you were in zone C, but it's harder than if you were in zone A. Let's take a look at zone A because that's where we are as a church right now. We're in zone A. We're still young. We're still growing. People are still coming to know Christ as Savior. People are growing in their faith. They're getting out of their comfort zones and they're engaging their neighborhoods with the good news of Jesus Christ. We see a commitment in the life of this church in zone A to giving and serving and reaching and growing. And these are good things. We ought to celebrate them, but we also ought to keep a sense of urgency about kingdom work. We've been here over six years now, been a, been a church over six years. There's a tendency to say, you know, things are going well. Let's not rock the boat. Let's not do anything extreme. Let's just kind of keep things on an even keel. I believe with all my heart that God is calling Grace Fellowship to go to the next level, to not be content to remain where we are and enjoy the benefits. The prophet said, woe to you who are at ease in Zion. It's not time to kick back in the lazy boy with a glass of iced tea and just enjoy the parade. I believe with all my heart it's time for us to dream again of who God is calling us to be and what God is calling us to do, to refocus our vision, to refine our ministries and with the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit to take Grace Fellowship to the next level. Here's what the Apostle Paul said to a church it was trying to figure out how to live in the world. He said, so what, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And then to the church in Colossae, he wrote, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord. Having just turned the calendar to 2011, I am challenged to consider how God might take me as a husband and father, as a pastor to a new and higher level, and how God might take us, the members of Grace Fellowship, those who are here, who are attending regularly, who are plugged in and connecting to the next level. You know, we laid some good foundation in 2010, but in 2011, we need to build on that foundation. 
I have a heart to see Grace Fellowship grow spiritually, to grow deeper in our faith in Jesus Christ. I have a heart to see Grace Fellowship grow numerically, to reach more people for Jesus Christ. And I have a heart to see us grow in our influence in our community, not influence in the business sense, but influence in the ministry sense, as we really make an impact on this community for Jesus Christ. Now, I want to see this not out of personal pride. I'm not in competition with any other church. I'm not out to see if we can become the biggest church in in this area. I'm not trying to get a reputation throughout the state of Georgia. Remember our mission, very clear. Grace Fellowship exists to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. My prayer for this new year is that increasingly this will become my heartbeat. Increasingly, it will become the heartbeat of the elders and ministry leaders in our church. Increasingly, it will become the heartbeat of the membership of Grace Fellowship. Now, in order to help me, and hopefully to help us as a church, I went back and took a look at some of the documents, some of the statements that we had as we started as a church. And one of the things that I pulled out, and the elders have in every one of their meetings, is a statement of our core beliefs. We put this in the newspaper to show people who we were before we ever had our first service. Now, I don't have time to go over all those this morning, but I would like to I'd like to handpick a few of those and share those with you as we consider how God might help us take Grace Fellowship to the next level. One of our core values said this, lost people matter to God and therefore must matter to us. Folks, this is a no-brainer, all right? Jesus, God sent his son to die for our sins, to die for lost people. Jesus told the story of the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep in in the pen to go and to find the one that is lost. Lost people matter to God. And if we are God's people, then they should matter to us. I want to see the membership of Grace Fellowship grow. Quite frankly, I want to see that. Now, why do I want to see that? Again, it's not out of pride. I want to see more people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. More children, more teenagers, more women, and more men. I want to see more people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I believe that's God's heartbeat too. God desires to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. I want to see this church grow because people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Not simply because people are moving their membership here. More than that, I want to see the kingdom of God grow. And by that I mean as we're sharing our faith, as we're engaging people in the name of Jesus Christ in our community, if they come to faith and go to First Methodist Church, First Baptist Church, Lakeside, Lake Oconee Presbyterian, Lake Oconee Lutheran, or wherever they go, God bless them because the kingdom of God is growing. It is not about us getting more members than somebody else has. It's about the kingdom of God. And beyond even that, I don't want us as a church to be content with simply looking at Green, Morgan, and Putnam County and saying, okay, this is it. This is all we have to do. I believe that God's vision and God's calling for us is greater greater and higher than simply this area. I'm excited on the opportunity to go with the Dominican Republic mission team this year. I haven't been yet. I'm excited about that. But, you know, we're not just going down there to do construction. We're going down there to tell people, 
that there's a God who loved them enough that he sent us his son to die for their sins. We're going down there to tell them about Jesus Christ and to show them the love of God by our actions. Wherever you go, you go as a missionary. And that's the attitude that we need to take into 2011. And so what does that mean for Grace Fellowship in 2011, that lost people matter to God and therefore must matter to us? What does that mean for us? First of all, it means this. In 2011, you're going to be hearing a little bit more about missions and evangelism. That's, that's, I believe, something God has laid on me. We want to share that out. Secondly, you're going to be hearing more testimonies because I think it's exciting to hear the good news of what God is doing in the lives of people and how he's brought them from darkness into light. Third, you're going to be encouraged, and dare I say challenged, to share your faith with other people. That means that doesn't mean I'm going to come twist your arm. It just means I'm going to encourage you to do it. And we're going to find ways to equip you to be able to do it. Do you see how that core value that began over six years ago in the hearts of a group of people now has relevance for us as we begin to see Grace Fellowship step up to the next level? Another core value that we have is this. Excellence matters because it honors God and inspires people. Now, don't get me wrong. Excellence is not perfection. Excellence is not perfection. Excellence is doing the very best that you can with the resources that God has given you. It is not perfection. Whatever we do, whether we even consider it insignificant or not, whatever we do, we are to do it for the glory of God. Now, do you think God deserves our best when we're doing it for his glory? Or our leftovers. Whatever we do, whether it's great or small, we're to do it as if we're doing it for Jesus. Now, I got to tell you, if someone asks you to do them a favor, you may do an adequate job. But if Jesus were to ask you, you do a, how, how well would you do that? And this, I mean, this goes from the church. It goes, it goes into our homes. Okay, your wife asks you to take out the trash. Think about your attitude when your wife asks you to take out the trash or your parent or if Jesus were to ask you to take out the trash. Just think about the different attitude that you would have. Now, whatever we do, we're to do it as if we're doing it for the Lord. And it's not just the trash, folks. It's everything that we're doing. It is really, really, really hard. This morning, I... It's really challenging because I get this before you get it, and so God begins to deal with me ahead of time. If you kind of, I, I get to be kind of God's guinea pig. So this morning as we're coming, this, this truck, we're coming from Union Point. This truck pulls out of Cotton's Corner. It, it's at least 30 years old, and the driver must be at least 90 years old. Pulls out, and I'm just cruising along, doing 45, cruising along. <sighs> We've slowed down. We've left warp speed and gone to about 25 now. And I'm just sitting there going, okay, Lord, you sent that person, didn't you? That's Jesus driving that truck, isn't it? And it was so unusual that Nancy even remarked that I didn't say anything. Because if it's Jesus driving the truck, I am not bearing down on his bumper and blowing the horn, okay? Now, let's, let's think about this. This is real. Whatever we do, we're to do it as if we're doing it for the Lord. That changes our attitude. That changes the way we think about everything. How does that work for us as a church as we have entered now into 2011, looking to take the church to the next level? 
Well, it means that if we're greeting newcomers here on Sunday morning, or if we're changing diapers over here in the nursery, or we're preparing food in the kitchen for our gathering time, or we're teaching a Sunday morning Bible study or facilitating a a Wednesday evening grace group, if we're picking up the trash because someone ahead of us left something there on the floor. And i got to tell you, sometimes I go in the men's room, and I'm sorry about our paper towels, folks. That's what we get, okay? The paper, you pull one, and you get little corners all over the place. So I walk in, I'm going, okay, what if Jesus left those little corners there? What would I do? Well, I'd pick them up. Whatever I do, I'm to do it as if I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm doing it for God's glory. And that changes our attitude. You can wash dishes for the glory of God. You can pick up a cigarette butt for the glory of God. You can do anything for the glory of God. That's the kind of attitude we need to carry into 2011 as we think about kicking our church to the next level. Because i got to tell you, God cares whether it's real. And the way we show we believe it's real is how we act on it. Another core value that we have as a church is that all healthy things grow and all growth involves change. This is the first church that I've ever been a part of where change is actually in the core values. I think I've told you this story, but the story of the, the, the guy that was celebrating his 90th birthday in the church and, and everybody kind of gathers around and some of the younger people had come to his big birthday party and, and as they gathered around, they, you know, they come up and they speak to him. And, and one, of the, one of the young families comes up and the, and the young mother says to him, she says, 90 years, wow, that's a long time. And you've been in this church all that time? Yes, it's cradle roll. I've been in this church 90 years. I bet you've seen a lot of changes in this church in 90 years. And he looks at her with this look on his face and he says, yeah. And I've been opposed to every one of them. <laughs> Folks, change is part of life. It's also part of being effective in ministries. Now, don't get me wrong. Change for the sake of change is ridiculous. Changing the truth of God's word and the mission of God's church, that's downright dangerous. But if we want to be effective in reaching this generation and the next generation for Jesus Christ, then we have to hold fast to the message but be willing to change the methods in order to meet people where they are and share with them the love and grace of Jesus Christ. A church that is prepared to engage the world needs to act in a way that is consistent with Scripture but sensitive to the culture. Jesus said this, and it rocked the world of the Pharisees. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wines in the new wineskin. In other words, there need to be new forms in order to contain the gospel, to carry it into the world. But the gospel never, ever, ever changes. So what does this mean in 2011 for Grace Fellowship as we look to step up to the next level? It means that you and I will need to bring every ounce of creativity, and I know for some of you that's a challenge, every ounce of creativity we have in order to carry forth the mission that God has given us. We'll need to adopt a whatever-it-takes attitude. Whatever-it-takes attitude to reach children and youth. Do you know it's going to take different means to reach this generation of children and youth than it took to reach you when you were a child. This is a different group, folks. 
every, every day I come in the office, I, have star- I, I cut this out of a piece of paper. It shows the generations, the different generations, and it has a, a, a picture, you know, all the way from a senior adult down to a, a three- or four-year-old child down on the end. And it shows that with each passing generation, less and less and less and less are connected in any way to the local church. Folks, we've got to understand this. We are losing effectiveness. We can't change the message, but we have to change our methods. We need to take a whatever, a whatever it takes attitude when it comes to reaching across the barriers that still exist in our county. Some are racial, some are economic, some are cultural, some are ethnic. If we're going to reach people for Christ, we've got to do whatever it takes in order to reach them. We've got to do whatever it takes to boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in our communities. If all you're doing to share with your neighbors that the fact that you're a Christian is that your car is missing on Sunday morning, maybe we need to change our methods. How's that working so far? If we're going to take a whatever-it-takes attitude, then we need to take that also with our small group ministry so that we can consistently and intentionally mature disciples so that they can become more like Jesus in their attitude and actions. And the same thing with our worship service. We need to to have a whatever-it-takes attitude so that what happens here will honor God and draw people into a close connection with Him. It's not that what we're doing is bad, defective, nothing like that. It's that God can take what is good and make it better. Another core value is this. Every Christ follower has a personal responsibility to take ownership for his or her own faith, own spiritual growth, while we as a church have a responsibility to provide the inspiration, information, and resources necessary for that growth to occur. Quite simply, the church cannot make you grow. You've got to want it. You've got to have a heart for it. You've got to pursue it. I'm not going to pick up the phone at 5 o'clock every morning and start calling everybody on the church roll and saying, okay, time to get up, quiet time. If I did that, well, we'd probably lose a lot of members, and I'd lose a lot of sleep because I don't think I could get started at 5 and catch all of you. But see, that shouldn't be my responsibility. That's your responsibility. To open God's Word and to read it, to pray. Those are your things. That, that's, that's your spiritual growth. So what's, what should the church do? The church creates the environment that encourages that kind of spiritual growth and, and helps to provide the, the resources necessary for that growth to occur. We're trying to do that. This past year, the, the elders introduced a strategy document. And you saw it. It looks something like, like this uh, next slide. You got one of these. In other words, in, help, in order to help fulfill our mission and vision, the elders saw areas in worship and small groups and elder shepherding that needed focus. And we've taken some steps in that direction over the course of, of the last few months. And some good things have happened. We've reinforced and, and grown our, our, um, our small group ministry, adding foundational classes, um, you know, reinforcing our, our grace groups and adding new grace groups, continuing our Sunday morning Bible studies that, you know, dig in deep. All those things, vital part of our small group ministry. We've looked at our worship services and what we can do here and the music and the preaching and, and in our student worship, and we're saying, okay, how these things aren't bad. 
But how do we take it to the next level? We've looked at our elder shepherd and recognized that there's some people who fall through the cracks. How can we step up as elders to make sure that that doesn't happen? So you see, behind the scenes are all these things that are going on. And what we're saying is, it's time to take it to the next level. In our shepherding, in our, our discipleship through our small groups and mentoring, And even in our worship services, how do we take it to the next level? Now, this is not a commercial, but I do need to share with you because you need to know this. Next Sunday morning, or immediately after our worship service, there's going to be a discussion and some question and answer on a a new position the elders have put forth, a new staff position for pastor worship in small groups. This is not a small step, but it is a major step towards fulfilling what God is trying to call us to do and taking it to the next level. To take that level of our ministry. You know, we have been blessed to have Rick and Daniel to step in and to lead our music over these last months. And I, when I look at this, I just rejoice that God called them and placed them right where they are. But you know what? These men have jobs and families and responsibilities. And they don't have the time and the energy and the intention to take it to the next level. They have the heart for it, but you've got to have more than the heart. Over the course, we've had Toby Dalton and Tom Robinson who stepped up to lead our small group ministry, and they brought teams around them. And they've done yeoman's work to get us to where we are right now, but it's time to take that and step it up to the next level. And so we want to encourage all of you who have an interest to come whether you're members or or attenders, to come next Sunday morning. We're going to go to the choir room. If we need a bigger place, we'll come back over here and just uh, kind of talk about this position and and get some feedback from you guys as we prepare to move into the new year. But, you know, just adding a new staff position or even adding a dozen new pastors won't take us to the next level. There's nothing magic about that. I can recommit myself and devote myself and pray and study and prepare and lead. And you know what? I cannot take us to the next level. There are two things that can take Grace Fellowship to the next level. The first is the favor of God. There is no substitute for the favor of God. None. And God has favored us, been gracious to us over these last six plus years. What goes along with God's favor? The faithfulness of God's people. The pastors can't do it alone. The elders and deacons can't do it alone. It takes each and every part of the body functioning as the, part of, as the body. Praying, serving, growing, and giving in order to kick us up to the next level. What I want to say this morning is this. I believe with all my heart, God has a new level for us to step up to. A level of spiritual growth, numerical growth, influence growth in our community. It's there for us. If we're willing willing to step up and take hold of it. I'm inviting you along on the journey. And I believe as I stand here a year from now, we're going to be able to look back and say 2011 was indeed the year of the Lord's favor. 